Amen. We thank you for your giving. Appreciate you for your giving. Go ahead and give yourself a hand for your giving. Before we transition right into our sermon, we're actually going to do some giving too. Brother Donald, I know I'm going to have you come, Deacon Donald, I'm going to have you come help me real quick. So we decided that we wanted to, because of uh, what we've seen in Family Friends Day, we wanted to bless two people. Number one, there was somebody who was here first, the first member that came to church happened to be Brother Jason Johnson. And so we want to give him a gift. I want you to take that to him. But just raise your hand. Oh. Now, I got I to gotta tell on him. He said, Pastor, this 10 a.m. is for the birds. But, <laughs> but you was here, and you were, you were on time, ahead of time. Actually, he was already here when I got there that day, all right? But we got one other person. So I was looking at, uh, or we were thinking about maybe blessing someone who uh, brought the most people to church, and it would be, it would have been hard to figure out who did it, except for Sims Nation had that whole left side all locked up. So we've got one for Sister Kiana Sims in the back. Would you go and would you give it to her? Raise your hand. So we thank you, just just a token of our appreciation. And if you didn't get something this time, don't worry. We will, the more we get blessed, we will keep blessing other people. Amen. It's still one of my dreams and goals one day to bless somebody with a car. Just like bless them and just pull them, pull them in. It's going to happen. We're going we to do it. And why, why stop at car? Maybe we can bless people with a house and, you know, whatever. So, hey, we're. We're heading there, but but guess what? What if we don't get there? We're blessing people by getting them ready for heaven. Y'all gonna get heaven, so hey, it's all good. All right, so let's let's get our Bibles in our hands. And those of you online, we'll figure out a way to bless you too. All right, so repeat this after me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple, where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our Creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively, which all leads to this last one. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Pastor Andre, we love you. I just threw that in there. Father God, feed me your word. Oh, come on. If you believe it, believe God's going to do it, go ahead. Somebody, one of them kids is helping us praise. Go ahead, little mama. All right, so we're going to uh, just jump right in, back into our series and go ahead and and you could uh, bring that up for me. So Healthy Church. How many have been enjoying this series? Amen. Amen. So uh, this is going to be the sixth installment. And it might be our last for a minute. And we might jump off of it and come back to it uh, later. I'm not, I'm not for sure. Because each time I think I'm getting ready to wrap it up and pause it for a minute, God gives me something else. But 
But I think we may stop it at number six, move on for something, and pick it back up, maybe pick it back up in 2024. Or we could be running this for a long time. I just see, I'm just trying to figure out how God wants me to do it. But anyway, today we're going to move into what I call healthy recovery. Healthy recovery. So uh, being able to recover is very important. And the way, the mode, and the manner in which you recover is very important because if you don't recover healthily, then what you can do, you could re-injure yourself. So there's a lot of athletes who have an injury that uh, is not career-ending, but because they didn't properly recover when they get back on the court, the field, or whatever, they re-injure themselves, and then the, it changes them forever because they're trying to rush back. This is something we have to understand. You really can't rush healing. You have to take your time with it. When it comes to whatever trauma, grief, whatever it is, that it, it's a process. And if you rush it, sometimes you mess things up. And so we want to recover, but we want to do it in a manner that is healthy. We want to, we, we want to understand that. And, and, uh, one of the things in our recovering is what we talked about a few weeks ago is we have to be honest. I'm not okay right now. So somebody, the, uh, actually at our family and friends today, uh, they hugged me and they were like, pastor, I'm still not okay, but I, if you keep praying for me, I'll get there. I said, it's okay to be honest. I said, I'm, I'm not all the way okay yet either. I am in recovery mode. But what I'm not going to do, I'm not going to get stuck while trying to recover, but I'm not going to rush. I'm going to process through this so that I can be what I need to be. All right, so let's uh, move and let's give us a definition of recover. And it's to return to a normal state of health, mind, or strength, but it also means to find or regain possession of. And so today we're going to be talking about both of them simultaneously. So recover is to recover your health when you've lost something. And remember, we're not talking about natural health in this uh, series yet. We may get there. We're mainly talking about our spiritual health. So recovering in your spiritual health but also recovering and also getting things back. Sometimes the reason why you're injured is because of what the devil stole from you. And so while you're recovering your spiritual health, you're also recovering what the devil stole. And so uh, what we're going to do, we want to uh, give you just a quick uh, theological word study real quick and bring up these two words that will help you know where we're going. So in Hebrew, it's the word haya, which means recover. In Greek, it's the word therapuo, which is where we get our word therapy, which means healing. So it is a healthy recovery. It's recovering our healing, but also recovering everything the devil stole. And so uh, let's start off with 1 Samuel 38, 30 and 8. I'll go ahead and read this first, Mother Mitchell. It says, and David inquired at the Lord, saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. The last uh, several times this 
a particular passage has been taught or preached in this church in, in the last year, year and a half. It's the story of David and Ziklag. I won't go over it, but they had had a major loss. But at the end of the day, they were able to recover all. And even though your loss may be major and magnificent, it doesn't stop the fact that you can still recover and you can recover and be more healthy than you were when you went in. Job is a prime example of someone who went through something that was so detrimental, it rocked his entire world, but his recovery was on a level that made him go up a whole nother level. And so what we have to understand, no matter what we're going through, it's a possibility that how we went in it, we may come out of it much greater than we went in it. And it's a possibility that you might look back on something that was horrible and say, God, I thank you that you brought me through it because I would have never got to where I am if I didn't go through that. So we will recover all. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about four things to recover in our spiritual health journey, four things that we should recover to help us in our spiritual health journey. I'll say it one more time, four things to recover in our spiritual health journey. So everything is going to be recover this, recover this, recover this. And there's several things we could bring up, but we're only going to deal with those four things. So number one, we're going to go with, we need to recover your identity. Recover your identity. So let me, let me, uh, let me use the athlete example and then I'll go to a natural sickness and then I'll bring it to spiritually. Sometimes the athlete is known for their jumping ability. They do a lot of things, but man, they can jump. But then when they injure their knee, they no longer can jump like they used to jump. So if their identity was tied only to their jumping ability, once that is attacked, then they don't know who they are. One thing I like about Michael Jordan is that he was a high flyer, but once he retired the first time and came back, his game had to shift and change. He couldn't jump. He wasn't jumping from the free throw line anymore, but he still figured out how to dominate because his identity wasn't just tied to his athleticism. He understood that I'm a basketball player and I've got to figure it out. Now, when it comes to a natural health There are people who are walking on their two legs and then something happens, whether temporarily or forever, now they're in a wheelchair. Now they no longer have what they used to have. They can no longer function how they used to function. And it's not just the sickness that happens, but depression sets in because their identity has shifted. They don't know who they are in a wheelchair. They don't know who they are without the thumb or whatever. And it can be very taxing, very trying. But let me take it out of that and bring it home to spiritually. Spiritually, once you go through so many attacks, it has a way of affecting your identity. Affecting who you are. And our bishop, my father, on probably the last 15 years of his life, this became his major message. No who you are in Christ or know who you are in God. In other words, don't let anything affect your identity, who you really are. So let's, let's bring up a scripture, Matthew four and three. 
And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. All right, so this is Jesus being tempted by the devil. It was Jesus early in his ministry. He had just been anointed, baptized by John. Comes out, the dove has descended on his head. The father has said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the scripture says, the spirit led him into the wilderness. And immediately he was tempted by the devil. But think about this. The very first temptation was, if you be the son of God. Satan's major thing to come after you is to attack your identity. To take you through so much stuff that instead of you saying, I am, it's, am I? It's no longer, I am, it's, am I? I am a Christian. Am I a Christian? I am prosperous. Am I prosperous? Because if the money isn't coming in and the sex su- success isn't showing up and things aren't looking like they're supposed to look. The question is, am I? But that is the temptation of the devil. He's trying to attack your identity. <laughs> Having said that, let's, let, let's cover three lessons about identity. Real, real quick in this identity thing, three lessons. Here, here's lesson number one. A. Satan will always attack who you are. At the core of it, he always wants to attack who you are. See, what we forget, we forget moments. And so what Satan tries to do is take moments and make them uh, eternal. But Satan's not eternal. In other words, if you have a moment of craziness, Satan will say, you're crazy. No, I had a moment of crazy. We all have moments. I had a moment of lust. I had a moment of failure. But he wants to take those moments and make them a major thing so where you live in them and you get stuck in them. And if he can trick you and you forget who you are, your moments will become your eternal resting place. In other words, I'm momentarily angry, but now I'm angry all the time. I'm momentarily sad, but now I'm sad all the time because he's attacking who you are. All right. And here's the reason why. Let's go to the next one. If he can get you to question who you are, he can attack whose you are. See, the goal is not really the who. The goal is the whose. See, I belong to God. You belong to God. But if I can attack your identity and attack who you are, you forget who you belong to. And so he takes what you go through momentarily and tries to make it forever. And the only reason why he's doing that, he really don't care about you sinning. Because he got enough people to sin. He don't really care about you sinning. He cares about disassociating you from your father. So if he can attack who you are, he can make you forget whose you are. Let, let, let me throw this in here. Just uh, uh, th- throw it in here. Um, if I take this microphone and I hit myself in the head with it, that's probably a dumb thing to do. But it's, it don't change. I'm still Joyce and Royce's boy. Even though I did something stupid... And there may be a consequence. I may have a knot on my head, but it still can't change whose I am. 
because my DNA was made up of their DNA. And so there's nothing I can do to no longer be theirs because I carry their DNA. Well, you may do something stupid, but you still belong to God. You still a part of his DNA. You you still are a child of the living God. He still paid a price for you. So don't let the devil trick you and mess with who you are so you forget whose you are. I still belong to God. All right. And now we'll move on to the third lesson. Real quick, I'll, I'll cover them again. Satan will always attack who you are. If he can get you to question who you are. He can attack whose you are. And here's the last one. We must separate our do from our who. You don't always do the right thing, but you are righteous because of your relationship with God. So when you're not doing, does that mean you need to continually do it? No, but you got to separate. That's what I did, but that's not who I am. I did it. But that's not really me. And the reason why I know it's not me, because I did it. And while I was doing it, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel the same. So I can't stay here. Yes, I got high, but I can't stay here because that's not who I am. I'm already high in God, so I can't keep going there. Even though I did it, it's not who I am. So I separate my do from my who, and I realize who I am. I'm a child of God. So now I got to start functioning like a child of God. And that's why we have something called repentance. In other words, we return back to who we're supposed to be. God, I'm sorry. Yes, I did it, but I don't want to do it again. Yes, I said it, but I don't want to say it again. Yes, I acted that way, but I don't want to act like that again because I know who I am. I'm a king and I'm a queen. I can't be living down here in the doldrums. I got to raise myself up. I got to raise my game up. I got to step up because I know who I am. So recover your identity. Don't allow the things that you go through to reshape your identity. You are a child of the king. All right. The scripture even says we're royal. We're priests. And so now we got to start flipping our mind and acting that way. And what's great about that is that once we switch and begin to act like that, we notice when other people are losing their identity. And we can go rescue them and grab them and talk to their minds. Uh-uh, uh-uh, baby. Well, well, Pastor, I, I, I messed around and got drunk. Okay, I'm bringing you to church. No, I don't need to be there. I messed up. I know you messed up, but I, I know who you really are. So I'm bringing you back to the house of God. I'm not allowing what you've done to stop what God is doing. So I'm going to keep bringing you. I'm going to keep rescuing you and tell you, no, just sit right here and get that word in you. And when you get the word in you, it reminds Mind you who you are and you can't do any and everything because you know who you are. All right. So now let's read 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to bring it on home. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Mm -hmm. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Oh, all things are become new. So the key is I just got to stay in Christ. See, the problem, the reason why my identity is attacked so much, I keep getting out of Christ. But if I get back in Christ, that 
There's nothing you can do to separate separate me. The Bible says nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ. Let me get, let me give you an example. Let's let's say that uh, Sister Ruthie she she bakes a cake, and then she presents me with a cake, and I say, Sister Ruthie, is this gluten free? And she says, No, it's not. Uh, because I didn't know you wanted it gluten-free. And I'm like, well, yeah, I need it gluten-free, so I need you to take all the gluten out of it so I can eat the cake. And she will say, it's too late because it's already in. See, you should have caught me before I put it in. But it's already in, and I can't separate. I can't take it. It's like somebody saying, can you take the sugar out the sweet potato pie? It's too late. I can't take it out. It's already in. Where the devil is trying to take stuff out of us, but what he forgot 2,000 years ago, I'm already in. And I've already been in the oven, and you can't take it now. You can't change it now. It's too late. You can't make me walk away from God now. You can't make me back away from God now. I'm already in Christ. And if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Yes, I messed up. But I'm in Christ. Yes, I fail, but I'm in Christ. And as long as I'm in Christ and Christ is in me, we're going to make it out of this thing. So I recover my identity. Let's move to point number two. So now, number two, you recover your identity, number one. Number two, recover your image. Cover your image. Let's look at Genesis 1, 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the creeping things creeping things that, that creepeth upon the earth. Amen. That creepeth upon the earth. So this is Genesis 1.26. This is the first time that we see what I, I've been using a lot, this Latin phrase called Imago Dei. And Imago Dei is just Amago meaning image, day meaning deity. All it means is the image of God. See, one of the reasons why he wants to attack your identity is so you forget your image. I am created in the image of God. And so it is actually in me to act like God. Even though I don't always act like God, it's in me to do so. Do, do, do you realize back in the old days when we had not the smart TVs that we see now, but the older big screen TVs had a big back on them because it was a projection because actually the image was in there and it was projected outward. And sometimes because you can't see it, you think the image is not there, but the image is there, like just like the cake. God did that a long time ago. You were created in the image and the likeness of God. Let's let, let's move for, further. I'll, 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 before we read that, I'll ask this question. So, so everybody's created in the image of God. That means sinners as well as saints alike. We're all in the image of God. So. What separates us as Christians then from anybody else? Well, let's read this. Let me move over so you can see it. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Uh-huh. Okay. As long as I keep putting on the new self, I'm renewed after the image of my creator. 
See, there, all of us were created in the image of God, but not all of us have been renewing our mind. But the more I keep renewing my mind, the more I keep being reminded of who I am, and the more my image begins to match up to the image of God. So when I do go off and fly off the handle, um, I'm the first one to feel bad about it because it doesn't reflect the image of God. And so I have to repent. You don't have to tell me to repent. I have to repent for my own consciousness because I don't feel right. There's some people that I feel like I got to get it straight with because I don't like the way our interaction was. And, and, and I'm sorry I did it because it's messing with my image. And God, I want to be more like you. So I want to be more conformed to you. So that means I got to put on the new self. Let me do this real quick just to help us. In order to put on the new, I got to take off the old. And the more I take off the old, guess what? The old don't feel right no more. Let let me give you an example. So back in the day when I first started wearing suits, we had four, five, six-button suits. Button from here all the way down. We just knew we was looking good. But now you won't catch me in no six-button suit. Because it's old, it's out of style, it's out of fashion. And now I've been dressing better and looking better. I can't go back to the old way. It don't fit me. It don't even look right. I won't even look at it and see it on the rack. I'll walk right by it because I have graduated to a new level. And once you go to a new level, it's hard to go backwards. So we keep being renewed in the newness of our mind. All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians 3.18. This is from the Christian Standard Bible. We all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror uh-huh. at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image. From being glory, what? Transformed. Okay. Into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. So the Lord, who is the Spirit, has made it that we are actually transformed into his image. So that means even though we were created in his image, we don't fully reflect his image until we go through a transformation. But not all transformations feel good. Some transformations feel hard. Sometimes you got to break in order to heal. Sometimes you got to fall in order to be stable again. And so while we're going through our healthy recovery, we're learning that God is making us more into his image, but we can't control the devices he uses to make us into his image. Sometimes he uses grief. Sometimes he uses loss. Sometimes he uses setbacks. Sometimes he allows stress. Sometimes he's like Job again where he talks to the devil and says, have you considered my servant Joyce? Joyce ain't done nothing wrong, but God had an alt with the devil that was trying to bother Joyce. And so God said, go ahead and touch her, but watch what I do in the end. But the only problem is God don't tell Joyce that him and the devil have had this conversation. God didn't tell Job that him and the devil had had this conversation. So all of a sudden you go through hell and high water and it looks like you're about to lose your mind. But all the time God is building you to be better than you've ever been before. To bounce back better than you've ever been before. And you don't know it. You're being transformed into the image of God. Through the highs and the lows. Through the ups 
and the downs. When you come out of it, you're going to be what God has called you to be. And let me add this. You'll be it with effortless ease. You will flow into stuff that people are wondering how. How are you smiling? Some people are wondering that about this church, all we've been through. How are y'all still praising? How are y'all still happy? Because we're recovering our health and we haven't lost our identity and we won't lose our image. We know who we are in God. We're actually getting better all along. All right, so let's, let's go to point number three. Recover your inspiration. Let's look at 2 Timothy 1.6, and this is from the English Standard Version. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. In other words, Paul was talking to Timothy, and he said, you've got something in you. First of all, in 1 Timothy, he made the statement to him, don't neglect the gift that is in you. When he gets to 2 Timothy, King James says, stir up the gift. Here it says, fan in the flames. In other words, there's something in you, but it may not be functioning at its highest level because you've been injured. Because you've been sick, spiritually sick. Because you've been under attack. So I'm encouraging you, Timothy, to fan in the flame. Fan up the flame. Stir up the gift. In other words, recover your inspiration. Now me personally based on what we have been walking through, it would, not would be, it is, number one, it is very difficult for me to get up here and keep preaching every single Sunday, no matter what we go through. And going through horrible things and have to get up here and still preach. Well, how do you do it? It's because I always recover my inspiration. In other words, I find a way to fan in the flames what I got. But what I've learned about myself is I live in the sparks. In other words, when you are at a campfire and the fire is blazing high, at some point, the fire dims down. But as long as the embers are still hot, you don't need a full fire. You just need a spark. There are times that I have gone to bed on Saturday night and had no message, no word, no inspiration, no revelation. Wake up on Sunday morning. I'm like, God, please speak. I'm looking at my laptop and my laptops are looking back at me. Nothing's being done. But then I hear a spark. And before I know it, I got a message and I come in here and I preach it with everything I got because I don't need a full flame. Just give me a spark. Sometimes all you need is a little spark to keep you going because down on the inside, I'm still hot. I'm like Jeremiah. It's like fire in my bones. I can't let this thing go. All you got to do is play the right song. All you got to do is let me hear the right verse and I'll get fired up. I don't need an organ. I don't need a drum. I don't need a tambourine. I can make praise all by myself. I'm going to have my inspiration. I'm going to have my joy. I'm going to have my fire. I'm not letting this thing go. Devil, you're not going to squash me out. You're not going to depress me out. You're not going to snuff me out. I'm going to be inspired yet and still. Fire. I'm fired up. Stay fired up. And I, I, I quoted this 
uh, last week, and I'll quote it again. It was a song, uh, not really a song. It was really more of a testimony saying that people would always say, and it still rings true to me. They would say, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me. Now, now it doesn't say that God has to be doing something good right now. All I got to do is think of it. My soul cries out, hallelujah. I thank God for saving me. If I can think on God, if I can think on the goodness of God, if I can think on a few verses, if I can think on a few praises, you'll find me praising by myself. You'll find me praising in my home. You might catch me praising at the grocery store. All I got to do is think about God. And when I think about him, it recovers my inspiration. Now, now, now let me be more practical. That's beautiful, it's powerful, it's spiritual. But I've learned how to recover my inspiration in small things. Uh, sometimes it's just kicking your feet up, turning the phone off, and watching what you want to watch. Sometimes it's going out and just walking through nature and taking a walk. Maybe getting on the bike trail. It, you don't need a lot, you just need something to spark you. Every now and then, put on something nice and just look in the mirror and move around and, and look at yourself. You ain't got to be going nowhere. You don't have to have a date. Sometimes just make your face up, fix your hair, just to give you the spark that you need. One thing I've learned about depressed people, you can tell when depression has really set in because they don't care about their appearance anymore. They'll sit in pajamas all day long. They won't brush their teeth. They won't wash their their hair. Sometimes you got to force yourself out of that. I'm about to brush my teeth. I know I'm not going anywhere. I'm about to put a hot comb to my head if I have to. I'm about to comb the naps out of my beard. I'm doing something to recover my inspiration. I may be broke, but I might go on a car lot and just walk around the cars. I might ask for a test drive, even though I can't buy nothing. I just want to smell the new car smell just to inspire me, just to spark me. I don't want to lose my inspiration. That's why it's good to go on vacation every now and then to get out of your situation. Go look at the ocean. Go look at the mountains. Go somewhere. Well, I can't do it. I'm too broke to do it. Well, buy you a laptop and put the mountains on the screen on your laptop and look at your laptop and in your mind, go on vacation in your mind. You got to find a way to capture your inspiration. Inspire. Music will do it. Sometimes you got to set the mood with music. Put some music on. And it may not always be mighty clouds of joy. You may want to hear some Luther Vandross. Put it on and stir yourself up. Do what you got to do to inspire yourself. Because when you come out the house, you need the demons to be confused. Why is he still smiling? Why is she still smiling? Why is she walking with a pep in her step? Why is he walking with purpose? Because I'm not going to lose my inspiration. Even though sometimes I'm bleeding internally. Spiritually, I'm suffering and bleeding and, and I don't know how things are going to work out and I'm stressed out. But guess what? Sitting and worrying about is not going to help me. So I'm going to be inspired. I remember, uh, when I, when I got my first house, uh, I was driving out, decided to just get, actually, I think I got mad at Devin and just left and started driving just to clear my head. And I ran into some Muncie mansions 
that I didn't know. There were some houses back up. I was like, I didn't know folk was living like that in Muncie. So periodically, I would just go out there and drive around and dream and hope nobody would look at me and try to run me off the property wondering why is this black man just looking at my house because I'm trying to capture my inspiration. I'm trying to spark something in me, spark my creativity. Some of you bakers, just start baking. Well, I don't have nowhere to give it. Take it down to the women's wife. Give the food to the women's wife. Do something to inspire yourself so that you can fan in those flames. Because what will happen is that spark will send something going. All right? Let's let's get number four. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, as we put up number four, I'm, I'm going to uh, run through them again. We recover our identity. We recover our image. We recover our inspiration. And here's the last one. Recover your influence. Here's the reason why, even though you're going through and can be spiritually sick, why you can't just quit. Because somebody is watching you. And somebody's inspiration will go down if you fall. If you quit, and yes, I understand that's a lot of weight on your shoulders, but you were called to the kingdom like Esther for such a time as this. So recover your influence. There are some things that you cannot do because of the influence you have. There's some places you cannot go because of the influence you have. Because people are looking to you, there's some things that you can't post on Facebook. There's some dresses you can't wear out. You may wear them inside. Woo, I look good. But you may not need to wear outside because of your influence. Many of us, we don't know how special we are. And that's why the devil tries to rob us of our identity and our image so that we lose our influence. But even though they talk about us like a dog, the world needs the church. The world needs the saints. If you don't believe that, let them get in trouble. And it's funny, folk that talked about you will ask you to pray for them. Can you pray for me? Can can, can you help me out? Can you do this? Can you do that? Because you have influence. And when you lose your influence, the devil is laughing. I'm going to recover my influence. Well, pastor, how are you going to do it when you're struggling? How are you going to do it when you're grieving? How are you going to do it when you're broke? How are you going to do it when you're sad? Well, I'm so grateful for the scripture because it gives me a very easy way to recover my influence. And let's look at this. And, and it was... Paul writes it. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 11 and 1. Very simple. Go ahead and put it up there for us. Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Another version says, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, I don't have it all together, but I'm going to be following Christ. I don't have it all figured out, but do what I do. I'm going to pray on Monday. I'm going to pray on Tuesday. I'm not praying because I'm deep. I'm praying because I need God. And I don't know how I'm going to make it. So if you want to do what I do, just pray like I pray. 
pray in the morning and pray in the noonday and pray in the evening. Worship God in the morning. Worship God in the noonday. Worship God in the evening. Follow me as I follow Christ. I may not be the best pastor in the world. I may not be the best leader in the world. But I can guarantee you this. I'm following after Christ. And if you follow me, it's okay, even if I fall, because since I'm following after Christ, all you got to do is step over me and keep following Christ. I don't understand churches that they all fall when the leader falls. Because you must be following the leader. But I don't want you to follow the leader. I want you to follow Christ. I'm following Christ, but if I stop following Christ, you keep following Christ. Because your influence is connected to Christ. See, here's the thing about it. You will know how much Christ you have when crisis comes. When crisis hits your door, you'll find out if you're following Christ or not. Not to belabor the point because I'm I'm closing now. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. The last time I seen my father, my spirit leaped. Because I looked at him and there was life in him. I felt life in him. He wasn't talking. And so I was praying over his his body, but I felt life. But as I left, before I walked out of the hospital room, I said, but if this is the last time I see you, I thank you for everything you taught me. I just said it, but I didn't really believe that was going to be the last time I saw him. Flew back home. Within some days, things shifted. Driving to work. My mom calls me, puts me on speakerphone. And the doctor comes in, says he might not make it through the night. She's saying, I don't know what I'm going to do, Andre. I was like, I don't know what we're going to do. She's like, tell your siblings. I'm at work. I got to call my siblings. and Tell them this, it may not turn out like we want it to turn out. And it did not. And next thing you know, in the middle of the pandemic, we're trying to rush and have a funeral. So why am I bringing all this up? Because I was still, and she was still, and we were still able to flourish because we had Christ. See, even though he slipped away, we still had Christ because he taught us Christ. And so the reason why I'm still preaching and not crying, cause I got Christ. Do you, do you know from 2017 till now, I've been a part of 35 funerals. Out of the 35, I preached preach at least 22 of them in a span of almost five years. Do you know how stressful that is? And going and working a job. But do you see when I post on TikTok, I'm laughing and I'm smiling because I got Christ. And as long as I got King Jesus, you can't stop the glory on my life. You can't stop my praise. You can't stop my joy. You can't stop my peace because I got Jesus Christ. And I ain't the only one that's been going through. Y'all been going through. Faye, you've been going through. But you got Christ. Oh, I don't know who I can talk to. I can call you out. 
Tara Lynn, you went through, but you got Christ. Reba, you've been going through, but you got Christ. And when you got Christ and you recover your identity and you recover your image and you recover your inspiration and you recover your influence, there's not a thing in this world that can keep you down. I got Jesus on my side. And I'm running for my life. Lord, I'm running. Trying to make a hundred. Ninety-nine and a half won't do. I'm giving everything I got. And guess what? It won't always be like this. We won't always be crying. There's going to be a day where our praise will be so evident that folk will be looking at us and wondering what did we do? They're going to lie and say, y'all cheated. You stole. No, God came through for his people. He showed up and he showed out in the nick of time. The three Hebrew boys, they didn't see Jesus till they stepped in the fire. But sometimes when you get in the fire, that's when the Lord shows up. Come on, let's stand to our feet. So my online audience, I can say the same thing for y'all. Y'all been going through... But if you got Christ, you'll make it out of this. Come on, let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, as we are working toward our spiritual health journey, there's trauma and attacks of the enemy that have been set up to strip us of the glory that belongs to us. But God, we are recovering. We are recovering properly and we're recovering everything we need to recover. And there's going to be a day where it will be said of us, those people in that space, they sure know how to recover all. And that is what we believe and we thank you for in Jesus name. Amen. Before we dismiss, let me, let me say God bless you to my live audience. God bless you.